the shot. Reinforcement Step four. I got a cakewalk for you this time. You ready for it? Christmas hams. I need you and your gang to deliver them to the forward OP. Getting killed on a non-combat mission is a bad idea. Look, Eric, you've been soldier, but this war's over. We look around. We took this country weeks ago. And I know I put you and your men on some pretty shitty assignments. But this one, it's a cheeseburger with a cherry cola and a side of fries. Welcome to Now Playing's Company of Heroes Retrospective Series. Load on time, baby! This will be one hell of a bumpy ride! Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. History will prove that it was worth every life lost in its pursuit. Hosted by Arnie. Let me under fire with somebody. Who's the guy you want in your foxhole? Justin. What if I said no? Not an option. And Stuart. Not the right man for this job. We're the only men that are here. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. It's a suicide mission. Don't worry, Ransom. I'll mark your grave. Yeah? Well, I'll piss on yours. You got a deal. Listener discretion is advised. You have to carry out this mission. <clears throat> your country's counting on you. Today we're discussing... Company of Heroes, starring Tom Sizemore, Chad Michael Collins, Vinnie Jones, Dmitry Diachenko, Neil McDonough, Sam Spruill, and Jurgen Brocknow, directed by Don Michael Paul. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and as far as I know, podcasters do shit in the woods. <laughs> and Stuart. <laughs> and this is Justin. Back to the arcade, or can you call it an arcade if it's a PC-only game? It's... Company of Heroes, a strategy game from 2006. Who played that? I mean, a game I never wanted to play, made cheaply by bottom feeders. Uh, nothing that we're about to discuss right now is anything that I'm enthused. I would like to know, was the game fun? Arnie, you played it? I did. And this came out at a really weird time for gaming. There was a time where PC gaming felt like a ghetto. You know, I loved PC gaming through the 90s and the early aughts. I was a huge PC gamer, but there was a period right around the time of Windows Vista where if you were a PC gamer, you like kind of kept your head down when you went to GameStop to buy one of those and it had this stupid games for Windows bar across the top. <laughs> it was really <laughs> embarrassing. And that's around the time I started getting into console gaming again. So I did not play Company of Heroes. I'm not even sure if I'd heard of Company of Heroes. It's not a huge franchise. There's two installments, one that came out in 06 and another one that came out in 2013, although it did just come out last year, the first version for iPad. So if you want to play Company of Heroes, you can now play it on your iPad. But just last week, I can't believe the timing. We couldn't have planned this review better to come out today because last week Company of Heroes 3 was announced. Oh wow. It's coming out next year and it's going to be another World War II game but taking place in Italy and North Africa. But I'm not sure if I'll like it because they say it's going turn-based. I like the real-time strategy aspect. Turn-based I don't know that I'm down with. And is it all taking place in World War II? Is that the point that you're simulating the good war? Yeah, it's real-time strategy. We've only discussed real-time strategy a couple of times. The Dungeon Siege game and Warcraft. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's the type of game where you're not really playing a character. You're building an army mm-hmm. and you're building barracks. Populous is my reference point. Like that was the really old like granddaddy of them all, right? You're. I did a deep dive into what is a real-time strategy game because I thought Populous is too. I really think Populous counts. Apparently there wasn't enough resource management in Populous to make it count. In re- real-time strategy, you also have to like earn things so you can build things. So like you have to go mine or yeah. Mm-hmm. But I downloaded Company of Heroes, picked it up on Steam. It was recent enough. It played. That was a good thing. I had so many experiences with PC games that I would put the floppy in and it didn't work. That's always a minor triumph. Can I be completely honest? I'm an IT professional now because I was a PC gamer in the 90s. I learned everything I know about computers because games didn't work. And I had to become a master tech to make games work. (laughs) Arnie the Patcher. All right. So I take it you didn't play characters named Nate and Ransom and Ivanovich and what have you. Like, so what are you doing? You are a either U.S. or in certain missions British troop. And you're given a mission and it starts off on the beaches of Normandy and you're just given these troops, most of whom are mowed down as you get to the beach and you get a few who survive and, you know, you try to get them up and throw some grenades in against the machine guns and take out the gun encampments and then take the beach and then you go from there on other missions and have snipers, you have commandos, you have tanks, you can build barracks to get more troops, you can build outposts. That sounds fun if I'm imagining like a Call of Duty where I'm looking at this through the eyes of a soldier with a gun, but this is you're looking at it like you're God and clicking in an area and telling these guys to go over there, right? Yeah, and let me tell you, I loaded this up on my computer on a Sunday morning and Marjorie was out of town. The next thing I know, it's sunset. I got so into this game, I lost all track of time. I Hmm. didn't, like, I went to the bathroom a couple times. I didn't have lunch. I just was, like, after probably 12 hours of game, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. What the hell is going on? What time is it? Oh, shit. I've been playing Company of Heroes all day. I got that into this game. Now, it's not one of the best, surprisingly. I still say my absolute favorite is Command & Conquer Red Alert when it comes to real-time strategy games, Age of Empires, and... The Star Wars Age of Empires ripoff are up there. I think maybe part of the reason I got so into it is because it took me back to those games, and I just love real-time strategy games. But it was a good one, too. It wasn't like a piece of shit real-time strategy game. I really was getting into the resource management, and it wasn't as hard of resource management. I didn't have to have a truck going out to get ore. I could just hold these weapons depots longer and the longer i held the weapons depots the more resources i got to build more weapons and i liked the idea of being able to have this little sniper dude and he could go into tall buildings and shoot down at people and so there was a measure of going inside of things that i'd never had before in a real-time strategy game going in a building and utilizing this building and then bringing in some bombers to bomb the building if enemy snipers were in and just crush the entire structure so there was it was a lot of fun it felt somewhat historically accurate that was my question was uh as i'm you know i'm no historian i have a a working knowledge of how World War II went. I know that Hitler didn't get the bomb. Like, is there any part of the game where you're stopping Hitler from dropping the atomic bomb? Not that I played. I mean, what 
the description tells me is that I played some of the major American operations during the Battle of Normandy. And so I recreated those. And the movie we're going to talk about, there is so much I saw. Whoever made this movie played this game and is like taking direct mechanics from it because there were missions where I had to booby trap roads so enemy caravans couldn't get me and there were snipers and there were times where I had to steal enemy weapons there were lieutenants who came along and made your troops more effective by being a lieutenant there was artillery and flanking tactics all of this is right here in this movie the thing that I came into this movie wondering is what is the story because there's not a single character here I mean you could call Saving Private Ryan, a Company of Heroes movie. I mean, <laughs> anything in World War II that has battles could be a Company of Heroes game. And I that worked very well for the Star Wars Galaxies novel they wrote. I really enjoyed how they incorporated gameplay elements with a new story. I've talked about that, I think, back when we did our Dungeon Siege reviews. But here, it's like, okay, I have fun with the game, but why would you license it? And what are you taking from the game to make it a movie? Because, yeah, I didn't see Hitler with atomic bombs. I didn't see Vinnie Jones saying, I'm in World War II, bitch. I didn't know exactly what I'd be getting out of a movie of this. That's the big question. Is is It's great that they have a, an RTS game based in World War II. Like, fine, I get it. That's a good idea. That's not my bag. I don't get into real-time strategy. But that's cool. Go for it. But, like, what takes the leap from that to, oh, we have to make a movie out of this? Because it's like, you don't need either or to be tied together for one to exist, you know? I don't I don't need a game based in World War II to enjoy a movie about World War II. Yeah, particularly if the battles are based on actual events, what do you gain by promoting the game of those events? Like, that's... It's kind of strange, and it sounds like the screenwriter has to do a lot of heavy lifting. They're going to have to come up with a lot of stuff. They're going to have to come up with the mission. You, you can use the historical backdrop. You can try and include the elements, as you say, Arnie, of the game and, and, and how it operates. But at the end of the day, you're making up a whole lot of characters in a mission. And you mentioned the screenwriters. And they brought in two guys here, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio, who wrote many video games. They wrote the James Bond game, Everything or Nothing. They wrote a Medal of Honor installment, Rising Sun. Uh, they wrote the Rocketeer movie. Yes, and the recent Spike Lee movie, Defy Blood. So they have some war experience, some video game experience, some experience with low-budget trash like Trancers. Also worth pointing out, you ask who who made this, uh, Don Michael Paul. We covered him three times last year. I can't believe it. <laughs> he was the architect for the final Tremors movies, some of which were the best and the worst of that series. Yeah, I, <laughs> we both praised him and damned him in equal measure. Right. Here's the thing. Like, I don't like watching straight-to-tape stuff. Like, that honestly... I get that independent movies, people can cut their teeth, they can really show you what they've got. But in that world, nine times out of ten, when you're making one of those straight-to-tape things, particularly based on a video game, you know that this is just going to be a no-budget, full-of-wash-ups, sad little affair. I had very little hope that it was going to have anything inspired to say about World War II. Let me put it that way. I wasn't expecting a point of view. Let me dig into that, though. Do you feel the same way about direct-to-Netflix 
movies and things? I mean, why specifically direct to video and not direct to streaming or something like that? Maybe about, I don't know that I've watched enough direct to streaming to know. I do know that streaming, the streamers do try to mix in A-list directors and stars in with their dreck. But you're probably right. The water is contaminated in, in both cases. You're dealing with stuff that's not good enough, frankly. Like, that's why we still need movie theaters, is because they tell us that there's a bar and you've leapt it. And when you don't clear that bar, you get Company of Heroes. Yeah, because we've never seen bad movies that have been into theaters. No, no, I know, but it's a bar. I mean, you get it. To, yeah, to, to Stuart's point, there was a time when direct-to-video definitely meant not good enough. You yes. know? And it's only been more recently that HBO and now Netflix have been putting serious money behind productions for direct-to-streaming. And it's worth pointing out that I've, I've had this bias challenged. I did like some of those direct-to-tape trimmers movies. Like, they ended up in a, in a modest way. I don't feel like I ever saw Citizen Kane, but they weren't really aspiring to, the, to be that. If you're a B-movie, if you have a really creative talent, some of our best directors started making shitty little Roger Corman movies, that's great, but I usually don't go back and watch Boxcar Bertha. I don't usually watch... Piranha 2. I don't want to see great directors when they're working in that venue. I'd rather see them make something great. I just, whenever we have to watch the really, the sellout low budget picture, even with talented people, I'm dragging my heels into this. It's still better than Freddy Got Fingered. I mean, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But in 2013, might as well be direct to crackle, right? Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's another example of like just you know what you know it when you smell it. Like there are some venues that like if it's being made for that, it's a bias. I could be wrong. I probably said that about HBO at one point and then they proved them wrong, but it just seems like when you're creating original entertainment for certain streams, I feel that way about most sci-fi movies. When we deal with the straight to sci-fi or premiered on sci-fi stuff, I have that bias. So I'm not saying your bias is wrong. I just wanted to challenge it because we have seen things like The Irishman on direct-to-streaming and that these days it feels like there's a greater chance of good in that, especially with COVID, in that new release on digital area. And 2013, you know, it's eight years ago, but it's not decades ago. We're not in the 80s where that direct-to-VHS stuff was utter garbage. And so I didn't come in with low hopes. Tom Sizemore, I knew he was past his prime, but I like him. Vinny Jones, about eight years after X-Men. I hadn't seen Vinny in a while. <laughs> so Neil McDonough, I mean, we've he's a working actor. So <laughs> I know who killed me. I'll always love him for that. And Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, I mean, I do think that they got people that were associated with World War II movies, Sizemore and Private Ryan. Like, yeah, they tried to fool you so that when you put their face on the on the the box art, I'm still acting like there's a video store you go in and hold a video box. But when you when you see the graphic on there, you may confuse it with a legitimate product. And Jurgen Proch now, I mean, Das Boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get All of these people have made good World War II films, and now the, here we are at Company of Heroes. Can they pull it out again? Arnie, give them the plot. During the last days of World War II, an Allied victory seems certain. Allied forces are unaware, however, Hitler's weapons team is very close to perfecting the atomic bomb. If the Nazis get the A-bomb, they will snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. 
In Belgium, the U.S. Army lieutenant is cocky about victory, so he sends a squad of infantry to deliver Christmas hams to the front lines. When the troops get ambushed by a Nazi patrol, their sergeant is killed. The survivors include Lieutenant Dean Ransom, a demoted cook played by Tom Sizemore, and new recruit and sniper Nate Burroughs, played by Chad Michael Collins, and then there's some others. <laughs> the soldiers try to make their way back to camp to warn of the German offensive, but on their way, they stumble onto one of the Nazi A-bomb test sites. They encounter a burned Secret Service agent dying, and he asks the troops to complete his mission, find and disable the bomb, and liberate the German atomic scientist. They take on the mission, but find themselves pursued by a German troop led by Commandant Beemler. But as their brothers-in-arms fall, Ransom and Burroughs pick up some other allies, including British airman Willoughby, played by Vinnie Jones, and Rusky soldier Puzarski. They get to the test site, and the crew escape with scientist Dr. Grunwald, played by Jürgen Proschnow. They disable the bomb, though they are betrayed by the Russian, who escapes with Grunwald's notes. Thanks to air support, the team escapes and are told they are heroes, but no one can ever know because the mission is classified and credits roll. And I have to tell you, coming in, this movie, I felt like I knew one thing. Having played the game and seen how expendable all my troops were and how many troops I had die and I had to just sit around waiting for the barracks to produce more. You call this company of heroes? I think I'm seeing a movie about a bunch of martyrs. I think everyone will be dead when the credits roll. Yeah, you'd call it like the Dirty Dozen, except I think there's only like five people in this movie. Like they keep <laughs> having to like change their outfits and run run around behind the camera and come back. Yeah, everybody on screen feels expendable from Jump Street. It just, nobody is grabbing my attention on screen. Oh, come on. Chad Michael Collins. Apparently, they have, uh, he's the star. He is Nate. We will have him established in the first scene as even though he's been on the battlefield for only three weeks, he's an excellent sniper. Apparently, he, that is his job. Like, sniper, remember this movie with Tom Berenger and Billy Zane from like 30 years ago? Yeah. They're still making them. He is in Sniper 4 through 8. He is the star of the Sniper series. <laughs> oh, God. When we run out of series, you've just seen our future, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Tom Berger and Billy Zane, they, like, take turns. One's like, okay, I'll do seven, you do eight. But they're still in it, too. I can't imagine how good that quality is here. But, yeah, he is the generic American, you know, hero that we're getting here. I, they give him some kind of conflict in that early on, he talks about whether he doesn't know if he believes in God, and he's holding his dad's purple heart because his dad died on the World War I battlefield in France. Is that enough to pass for a character? I know that they don't have characters in the game, but this feels thin, anemic. Thin and unconvincing. Like, it's all just a little too much, like, rookie, first day on the job, this thrust upon him. He's not willing to leave anybody behind the whole time. It's like, at some point, learn. You know, it's like, not not everybody who gets shot on the battlefield is savable. At some point, you got to cover your own ass. Does he know he's a good sniper? Or does he just pick up a gun and is like, let me see how this works. Bang. I'm a marksman. I really can't <laughs> tell in these opening scenes. <laughs> I can't tell anything about this whole movie. I even the, let's talk about the, the these battle scenes. Let's talk about the CGI enhancement that they've done because the one way you'll know that this is a video game is because it looks like it has the graphics of an early Atari video game passing for explosions. 
hey, this is much better than Combat, the game that came with the Atari. <laughs> I'm not even heckling the movie for this. I feel like it was a missed opportunity. If you don't have the money to pull this movie off, and we can all agree, they didn't have the money to pull this movie off. Why not go for something stylized? Why not go for something where you can see the seams, but it still looks cool? Something like Sin City, you know, which is obviously an artificial world, all green screen, but who cares, because it's got atmosphere. Like, they should have just said, look, we can't pull this off. Let's not even go on location. We're not even going to walk on snow. We're going to do some kind of CGI backdrop movie, and maybe we can make it look cooler than this. You know, they do that now. If you watch the Disney show, The Mandalorian, they have this technology where they just have like a big screen backdrop. And so instead of blue screening or anything, they just turn on a television and it has the backdrop there and a curved background that they can walk against and things. But I imagine that stuff still looks photorealistic. I bet you're not sitting there thinking. No, no. Oh, really? Okay. I'm probably one of the few, but I really think the Mandalorian looks bad because of that background. My point is, even when you have bad effects and you just can't pull it off, that's when you get creative, right? That's when you say, okay, this is a video game movie. We're going to stylize it. We're going to make it look like it is an Atari game. And we'll just go with that. But you can't do that if you're going to do drama. And the shock of this movie is, this is going to be like, they do everything but bacon uh, an apple pie right like this is americana through and through the, they're just trying to sell like it, we see shots of tattered american flags and you know he talks about his mother and the title shot where you see the title company of heroes with that american flag and the sun behind it yeah i mean it just feels like uh, if they're not adapting a video game it feels like they're adapting like you see those shirts people wear of like an eagle and a flag on it you know you're just like wow <laughs> Okay, <laughs> this is really tacky to me, and I just feel like it's all they got to say. Unfortunately, this is a movie about an American at war that doesn't even have a perspective about war. It is just America is cool, and I don't know, I kind of like the setup here. They talk about the fact that they're arrogant. They think it's the end of the war, and so people are starting to get a little bit sloppy. They're convinced that this battle that, that kicks off the movie is just the last remnants of some, you know, they, they're described as 14-year-old Germans who have broken rifles out in the woods, and there's no real force left. And so, again, this, this sets up the idea that Hitler really does have a, a surprise super weapon to unveil, and these, this crew is going to stumble on it as they try to deliver Christmas hams. I did like sort of the opening narration where it's like Hitler is promising his people a super weapon. And for once, he wasn't lying. I mean, it's like that is all American propaganda and setting up a danger. <laughs> He's a liar. He lied to his people all the time, but he wasn't this time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm getting the same vibes here. I mean, it it feels like this movie doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to say, but, you know, rah-rah, American patriotism. And it doesn't have a lot to, like, offer. In like, uh, it looks like they did get a tank or two, but for the most part, they don't have the extras. They don't have the equipment. They have what looks like a European backdrop. They were in some European country when they shot this, and they're trying to just go into old, rusty factories and tell us this is 1944. So I guess it comes down to, do you like any of the characters? I've already stated that I feel like Nate is sort of generic cookie cutter. They tease some idea that his, you know, he's got two girls back home. Everyone's grazzing him because he's this Casanova that, you know, has two girls. Well, he says it differently. They're like, 
do you have a girl back home? And he goes, not exactly. So, I mean, I knew from the get-go he didn't have a girlfriend. And then when he says he has two girls, I'm like, oh, I think he has daughters. That's where I went. I thought maybe two daughters he was going for. I didn't think mom and sister. But I knew it wasn't a menage a trois situation in the 40s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not not this cup of vanilla pudding. I mean, this guy is, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And nobody else here, you know, you want a Christmas ham, here comes Tom Sizemore. He's looking pretty fit in this movie for him. He's 60 years old, and he's not like, there's no way he would be on the battlefield. Like, there's just no way that they would have a boots-on-the-ground guy, like, at this age. It's ridiculous. Okay, he was 51 when they filmed this. <laughs> okay, I stand corrected. He's still way too fucking old, and he's got some sob story. It's kind of baffling that he's crying that he got all his men killed at D-Day. I mean, isn't that the point of D-Day? Don't we know that about D-Day? It was a, a huge loss of life, but for reasons... He'll later elaborate that they were killed in friendly fire later or something? I don't know. It's bad. I couldn't follow his story. To explain his age away, they said he used to be a much higher rank and got demoted to a cook and a lieutenant, but I think that's Neil McDonough's rank, too. Yes, it is. So even if he's a lieutenant, he, that's a pretty high rank. He should be the leader of this troop. He doesn't ever feel like the leader. He feels like the comic relief. So much of this beginning, I can't tell if it's somewhat clever writing around what you have, or it was just an idea that they threw in there. Because I do appreciate the idea of that their new mission is just to deliver these hams, and this other thing gets put in in front of them and these are the people that are there to take care of it because it does kind of help explain why this older guy is just hanging about yeah i sort of i mean yes why he's a cook and agreeing to do this and it sets him up that potentially redemption story right like he used to be something great on the battlefield he lost his confidence now he's supposed to do this stupid little task but wouldn't you know it they come across some enemies this myth that the war is almost over is shattered because they have two tanks on the road. And all of a sudden, it's not thunder in the sky. There's some kind of belief that a major explosion is happening just over the hill. Yeah, and this is where it gets kind of sticky, where it's like, okay, even if you did something sort of wrong with your A-bomb, it's not just going to be a smaller explosion. <laughs> I don't know how that works. You're still going to have radiation, you know? Yeah, and why they're all standing around there, most of them without gas masks or protective gear. Like, like you want to... You know, you want to test that new new far away, like, you know, binoculars. Think, like, <laughs> miles. That's why it was a mistake. <laughs> but this, the way this movie's playing out so far, it really shocked me to find out that the game is a real-time strategy game. Because this really felt like Call of Duty game, where it's like, okay, you're on this mission, let's watch this cutscene. Now go fight for a little bit. Now another cutscene. Now go fight again. That's the way this movie's progressing. But to find out that the game it's based on isn't necessarily that was, was a little confusing. Not a single cutscene. Is there a map screen? It feels like they spend a lot of time like talking about yes. like layouts and maps. I definitely felt like they were taking that. Every mission... You get the map, and it's almost like a football thing where they put the X's and then circle the spots that you need to go take and draw the lines of where the enemy's coming down. Yeah, definitely map-based. 
Here's the confusion. We're in Act 2, and I'm thinking Nate needs to lose his old squad and then, like, meet up with the new cool people. Like, he can keep Tom Sizemore, and then we're going to just meet a series of, like, people on on other fronts. We're going to meet a Brit. We're going to meet a Soviet. We're going to meet a a German female spy. Like, I feel like it's almost a burden that he's still got these nameless guys we never really got to know very well from his platoon. There are just a bunch of grunts, and yeah... On the one hand, I'm thinking maybe they're trying to keep a bunch of troops around because the game has a bunch of troops. But on the other hand, the game has an endless supply of nameless troops. Oh, my whole squad died. Pump out some more. So if you're going to go this way, I think you could have gone a different way entirely and you could have had smaller. I felt like the reinforcements that come later were a little bit like reinforcing when the paratroopers came in and helped me out on the battlefield. But it wasn't quite there, and I did feel like there were a lot of people around needlessly that added to the fact that we feel like an army group and not just a dude, but they aren't characters. And the stars are the ones that come in later. I mean, even Tom Sizemore, like, is showing up after the opening battle. Like, maybe he just didn't want to do the action. I don't know. But, like, the the ones to pay attention to are the people. Like, Wizard of Oz. It's a road movie. Every time we make another stop, we pick up a new character, and they're going to bring something that we didn't have before. So get rid of this other. They should have all blown up in this atomic bomb test. That's, I guess, what I'm saying. If we're to suddenly think, oh, my God, Hitler is on the verge of doing his own Hiroshima to New York City, then maybe this is the way to take out everyone but our main character. See, and what I'm focusing on here is, like, how does this tie to the game? And, you know, it's really silly stuff. Like, when they say, take cover! Yeah, you do that in the game. There's places where you take cover so you can't be shot as well. And there's the mines on the road and the artillery they're doing and sneaking behind and flanking. That's all in there. But yeah, the rest of this is as far as the story goes in this A-bomb and what they're doing there. I'm like, this is a chance for them to make a World War II story. I'm wondering if they literally had this script sitting around and wanted to make a World War II movie and couldn't. And then somebody's like, let's adapt a game. And somebody's like, I got a spec script. Let's just put that name on this and add a couple of lines from it, and we're going to have our game now. Because God knows there was no specific enemy Nazi I was fighting the whole time. Yeah, but you've already mentioned that the writers were working in games, so maybe they were used, maybe they could get this title, Company of Heroes, cheaply, and then we're going to use that to, yeah, promote an original. I don't need or care if it, we're only covering it because it is a video game movie, but I don't really care how much it honors the game because I feel like the game sounds kind of boring. If you were to film it, like, as it were, it would just be a lot of overhead shots of people on the battlefield. I need characters. Let's focus on the people that he meets on the road. I wish I could say that any of them make meaningful impact, but... I love Vinnie Jones, but he's lost it here, hasn't he? He's, like, past his energetic prime. He was great in the early aughts, you know, even through, I suppose, Midnight Meat Train. But here... Man, he could just be any other Brit, couldn't he? He he doesn't have that footballer energy or anything. Yeah, no, I mean, didn't need to be him at all. Like, to be honest with you, it took me a few minutes to even realize, like, oh, yeah, didn't I see Vinnie Jones on the on the cover for this? Like, I guess that's him, and he's here. <laughs> that's my problem with this whole thing, you know? Like, hearing about, like, 
the game, that doesn't interest me. And watching this movie, it's not interesting me. But if they were flip-flopped, I feel like the plot of this movie would make a decent game plot. Agreed, yeah. I he, I feel like the skeleton is all here. You're telling me that uh, a troop that's out understaffed, underarmed, because they're, they're, they got more hams than they got bullets, and all of a sudden they're, they're, they come up against a secret Nazi plot to unveil a super weapon? That sounds like a cool movie, or at least a, a cool game. But that's that, that's now it's time to write it, you know what I mean? And I feel mm-hmm. like everything here is a skeleton with no flesh on its bones. Like, we just joylessly going through the motions, and they don't have the budget to even make it look cool. So, like, when we're standing there looking at the, supposedly, the devastation of the failed atomic bomb, I don't know, did it look any different from any other location in this movie? Like, is there any way to tell that something had gone wrong? There was, like, two people on the ground. Didn't even look like a strong storm came through or anything. It just looked like (laughs) they were wandering around. Yeah, it's thoroughly unconvincing in the visuals. That's what would most change the, the game here. For them was that if they could sell this with some amazing looking CGI or it's not the kind of thing you want to invest, you know, hundreds of millions in. But if you had a, a flashy style to it, I feel like I could be drawn in to what otherwise is a no go. I mean, on this budget, there's just no convincing us we're in World War Two. Right, and even the period accuracy part is kind of comes and goes. Like, there's oh, there's yeah. graphics they have where it's just like, nope, that's way too sharp for the time. The radio chatter sounds like it's on digital radios. It's not there. It just all, everything feels phoned in. Yeah, and phony. Yeah, I agree. It just doesn't, it's not convincing. I know this would be a really impressive amateur video put up on YouTube, but I know what a real movie is, and this ain't it. I'm not noticing a lot of those technical flaws you're discussing. I'm not noticing the audio sounds digital on the phone and anything. I guess I'm just focusing on bigger problems. I mean, you certainly notice when they get into, like, shootouts, they'll have, like, superimposed blasts of light. Yeah, but they also had a full body burn that went on for, like, a minute. I was impressed with that. Anytime you do a full body burn. Yeah. That was his smart mouth friend for about two minutes. Yeah, there is some surprising gore in this for what it is. I mean, we get to see a guy completely run over with his head by a tank. That was a little gratuitous, I felt. Like, we didn't need that shot. That was just... (laughs) (laughs) Well, do we, though? Like, I mean, I guess there is a certain fan of war movies that wants to see the hell of it, right? That wants the blood and guts. And what kind of World War II movie is this? Is it... Private Ryan? Are they trying to shock us and give us PTSD? I don't know. I don't really get that sense. I think they're trying to be inglorious bastards. Yeah, I'm getting that feel too. With their mission to save a person, stop a bomb, alternate history. And then when Commandant Beamler shows up, Richard Samuel, man, do I feel like he is really trying to play a third rate Christopher Waltz. That's when it hit me hard. Well, he was in Inglorious Bastards, so this is his big shot, right? He was just one of the grunts that the bastards had caught early in the movie, so now he's a big guy in the Nazi army. I don't know. It feels like a revival of Hogan's heroes. Like these are silly. Not like he's got a leg brace and like a, a like an eye patch or so. I don't know. Like it just was way too over. Again, are they going for comedy? You say Inglorious Bastards, and I think that there's a puckish sort of comedy and postmodern sense of awareness in that. And I don't feel like these filmmakers are going for too much that's funny here. It feels, if anything, overly earnest. 
I think they're kind of going for comedy with the Russian. You know, they go for the broad stereotypes and having the different cultures there so that we can have a Russian and a Brit and Americans. It felt like they were trying for some comedy in there. I think if you thought it was funny, you were laughing at them. I really don't <laughs> think that they were trying for that. But I could be wrong. I don't know what they're trying for. I, you know what? I think about Inglorious Bastards because everything hinges on them getting to Stuttgart and to an opera house. And, you know, I think about the climax of that film being that's where Hitler was gunned down. But I, like... They get there so that they can meet the final contact, Kressler. They were told by an OSS spy that that was who they needed to see to, to figure out the mission. And she lets them know that she and her father need rescuing before they have to test the second A-bomb. And that Kressler was going to be part of their crew is also what made me think Inglorious Bastards. Having that woman against the Nazis. Yeah. Having the personal stake. Yep. No, I, I agree that they're aiming for some of the stuff that they saw in Inglorious Bastards. I'm not I'm not admitting that they're hitting it because I don't think. Oh, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Right. OK. <laughs> yeah. No, again, with Tarantino, particularly his love of dialogue, the dialogue in this is just wretched. Oftentimes, like what they're talking about, like, yeah, Tom Sizemore's a bullet never lies. So why am I not dead? Maybe you have a lucky horseshoe up your ass. I mean, I'm not kidding. These are lines that we're expecting. <laughs> to like not laugh at okay i mean derisively it's poor but i guess i see the model yes world war ii movies had kind of had a comeback in the last 10 years inglorious bastards was part of that but yeah we're 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 dealing with those bottom feeders we're dealing with somebody whose job it is to make kindergarten cop 2 and sniper 8 so yeah this is inglorious bastards 9 I suppose, is, is what this is. <laughs> Bastards in paradise. Mm-hmm. But the Russian, I don't think it's supposed to be funny. He ends up being the, the big betrayer of them. He's going to slip out with the blueprints so that Mother Russia can have the bomb. It didn't feel like a great betrayal. He didn't kill them. He's like, you take the scientist, I'll take the blueprints. And yeah. Well, I mean, it will start a Cold War that we're still dealing with. I mean, are we saying this is how the Russians got the bomb? If, if he hadn't taken those, yes. there wouldn't have been a Cold yes. War? America just would have won everything? Yes. Yeah. The underlying message there is just so sloppy and just like dripping with American patriotism. It just makes the whole thing gross. You know, the idea that if Russia got the bomb, oh, man, you don't want to know what that world would have been like. If Germany had the bomb, you don't want to know what that world would be like. Meanwhile, in the real world, hey, we're going to drop a couple bombs in eight months from now. Just it's the whole thing is just gross when that's your story. I'm just laughing that Hitler like bothered to paint swastikas on his nuke. Like that was just, <laughs> they, they, when we finally get to the climax, like the, the giant bomb. Just so you know what it is, they have this giant, big like Bugs Bunny Acme Industries bomb, and it's got like swastikas on each side of it, so that you know that is a Nazi nuke. <laughs> See, and I really thought everybody was going to have to sacrifice themselves to stop that. I mean, it, they were in a German base, right? You Mm -hmm. are in enemy territory. You've been pursued ever since you took a train to get there. And people have been on your ass this whole way. You're about to have the big climactic battle. I thought this was going to go Rogue One all the way. Everybody ends up dead, but we got rid of the nuke. Right? You know what? That's not a bad way to go, particularly if you don't have any 
gained love for these characters. I, I mean, it hurts more when you've fallen in love with this team, but this has been so sloppy, and the character, the only reason to like anybody is because Kessler got naked and did a nude scene in the bath, but, like, that was... Uh, far be it from me to, to, to deride a nude <laughs> scene of an attractive woman, but, man, that one just felt creepy. I mean... You get Nate just staring at her, and she sees him and just stares back. And I'm like, okay, are they going to have a romance? No, she's going to close the door, and that's the end of it. Right? Yeah, I definitely was thinking by this point he was a virgin and lying about the girls back home, and this would be how he loses virginity. And no, again, this is, it just felt like it had been like the studio bosses saying, like, we need something to make this more interesting. This is really rote. And so everyone's had these little moments. Maybe you've been charmed, probably not. And you're right. Now they need to die one by one. They go out, martyrdom, they take one for the team. That was saving Private Ryan, too. Spoiler alert, but... Sure, true. Yeah, you're right. And, and in many World War II movies, it's about sacrifice, right? Particularly the fact that this main character's own father died on the battlefield. He doesn't believe in God. You want to build up to something about, does he believe in this mission or not? I, that goes nowhere. I mean, nothing goes anywhere here. Like, it just becomes this Keystone Cops chase for the... Are they chasing the bomb? Or is the bomb up in the plane? I can't even tell where the bomb is by the end. Yeah, I mean, neither. Was it in a Jeep or was there a Jeep that was shooting at them trying to escape in a Nazi truck? It got it got a little yeah. little convoluted there. I feel like the planes that are above dropping bombs are the Allied. Yes, they call in right. air support, which you can do in the game. If you get, you know, in a jam, you can call in air support to blow up heavy encampments or something. But I thought the bomb was on the back of the truck yeah but i thought like did they get it they keep acting like they're about to test it again which uh, did they deactivate it i did jürgen prouch now get to be able to no yes he had to deactivate it while they were traveling that was a thing it was in the truck and oh it was in there it was with them yes okay they were in the the vehicle that had the bomb and so he was working on that yep okay oof good (laughs) eyes i didn't catch that (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of choppy camera work in this. Like, literally, when they're in a car, like, the camera doesn't, like, normally you have a rig so, like, it doesn't shake or anything. But, like, this thing is, like, I mean, seizure-inducing. Oh, the zooms bugged me. You guys notice how, like, it was almost like a, when you bought your first camcorder and you had that manual zoom Mm -hmm. knob and you just turn it and it just jerked forward. Yeah, snap zooms. They do that a dozen times here and i'm like that is just annoying stop doing that but i have trouble telling the characters apart in this they're all dressed in this gray drab and the camera is shaking so much i can't really get a good look at their face either Mm. in many shots so i don't know who's running and who's shooting if it's bald it's vinnie jones beyond that i'm not (laughs) quite so sure Mm mm-hmm I think the only thing we're really meant to tell, the only one that dies, the sacrifice, and I'm not sure why, do we know what hit Tom Sizemore? He'd been talking about feeling guilty about, you know, killing his 56 men. He'd also been talking about a some kind of toothy, thick-in-the-middle wife that he wasn't excited to go home to. So maybe there was nothing for him to live for. He was happy to die. But it just seemed sort of convenient that he just flopped over when we thought the main character took the bullet for the girl. Yeah, that was just weird. Like, I mean, I think it was just to be taken that there were so many bullets flying that he took one. And now that they're in the clear, oh, no, here he goes. It it, it fell flat. I found it weird that 
a British airman could just grab a radio and tell the Americans, hey, bomb this place. And Americans are like, sure, why not? You're on our radio. Fine. I don't care about your accent. Aren't there supposed to be codes or something? Yeah, something tells me this is not what World War II was like. Just going to go out on a limb on that one. But thank God we stopped Hitler from dropping the bomb. And then we get this weird epilogue where the lieutenant, played by Neil McDonough, shows back up again and is like, I have this letter about it from the president. You're our heroes. No one will ever know. Your father would be proud of you. You're not getting a promotion. <laughs> yeah, this never happened. Oh, if only, if only this never happened, movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with this not happening. <laughs> and Kestrel is there, too. I mean, maybe he doesn't get a Medal of Honor, but he gets the girl. Uh, he goes to the father's gravesite because that's what Tom Sizemore told him would be meaningful. Like, there, it's when you don't have a theme to your movie, it's really hard to wrap it up, isn't it? You're just grateful that he didn't, you know, sew a flag. Like, I feel like they just, whatever they can do to make it look patriotic, that's how they're going to go out on Men that sacrifice, but not really, to save us from fake conflicts. Well, let's save us from direct-to-video movies. Oh, say can you see Justin Stewart? Do you recommend Company of Heroes? Justin. <laughs> Stewart, I think you just nailed it in summation there. I mean, the, the only thing this movie is even remotely trying to say or do is just kind of a vague gesture at some vague patriotism. You know, that's all there is here. I mean, otherwise, it just feels like they saw Inglorious Bastards. They liked some of those scenes. They saw Saving Private Ryan. They wanted to do some of that stuff. But none of it worked. And I said it earlier, and I'll stand by it. If this was a game, if Call of Duty had a download where the mission was you have to sneak into Germany in the waning days of the war and stop Hitler from dropping a bomb that he got because it would change the course of history... That sounds like a fun game to play. But what they did with it here, it's not a fun movie to watch because they weren't even on that mission. They were just supposed to be delivering hams. And actually, I probably would have enjoyed that more. Just a fun romp through France and the back roads of Germany in the waning days of the war, watching them deliver Christmas hams might have been more fun than this. But <laughs> yeah, this there, there's nothing here. There's there's way better games to play. There's way better World War II movies to watch. So unless you've seen every single movie in this genre and you need one more, go for it. But otherwise, steer clear. This one's This one's a big dud. I will say this. It's not as bad as I thought, but that's only because I thought it would be as bad as Uva Bowl. And it's not quite on that level. I, that's my bias when I think about Straight the Tape, is that it's completely removed from anything worthwhile. What it is, is if they had had a money, they had been able to, to visually pull off what they had here, they would have a, a mildly enjoyable premise that would have worked on the caliber of stars that they got. If they got good actors that you enjoy seeing, this could have even been a mild recommend, maybe. But it is empty, and because they have no money to flesh it out, no interesting actors who want to commit to creating characters, there's just nothing here to show. And again, it seems like it's based on a game that isn't even that popular and doesn't have a storyline to adapt. So what are we doing? I mean, honestly, I think when you have something, this maybe is a new, like, teachable moment here. When you have, like, something that you don't have the money to pull off, why not just have a graboid break from the ground and start eating people? Like, this will only work if you just make it a campy monster movie or just do something silly and grandiose. Because if you try to tell an earnest World War II movie 
on a budget that is of this caliber, you really, I mean, I don't think veterans will like this. I don't think gamers will like this. I certainly know I don't like this. I just think camp it up or go home. This is a failure. Yeah, Justin, you said you wanted to see them deliver some hams, but they ended up delivering a turkey. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't even taste good. Like, we couldn't even make fun of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the target audience for World War II movies. I just have trouble getting into them because they're often so earnest. I remember liking Schindler's List. I remember liking Saving Private Ryan. I've seen each once. Not an era I need to go back to again and again. And so coming into a World War II film, it's a little bit of a hard sell for me. Do love Inglorious Bastards. I've seen that one multiple times, but it's not exactly a World War II historical film either. So. Coming into this, I'm looking at the cast and I'm just going, please let it be fun. Please let it be fun. Tom Sizemore, Vinnie Jones, I don't know who this lead actor is, but please let it be fun. Oof, it's not fun. And halfway through the movie, I realize they're trying to be Inglorious Bastards. About five minutes later, I realize what they are is Inglorious Boredom. It's a not recommend. It really is boring, and I can't stress that enough. There's just, you may not even know why, but you'll feel like there are just large things missing in the way that this thing just goes from scene to scene rather aimlessly. Like, you just go intuitively. Almost anyone watching this movie would sense that it had not achieved what they were going after. Which, again, my argument is fix it in, like, make it something else. Make monsters show up. Go campy, like... So you're saying you want Blubberella? Yeah, uh, if that's what it has to be, Hitler... a bunch of UFOs riding in here. That is something that would have saved this movie from boredom. I can tell you that. I just think even at a hundred minutes, you know, that's a pretty short movie. It felt a little long to me. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, but we're in the video game retrospective and you know, this is not even top 20 worst. I mean, I feel like it's, it's right there in the middle of just like, boy, this didn't need to happen. Like that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean, it didn't hurt me. No. It did, no, it it bored me a little bit, but at no point was I, like, in pain. It could have been good if they had, like, a budget and a cast and a director and, like, they made it as an actual movie. It could have worked, but this was just, like, somebody's home movie. Yeah, I'll I'll say this, like, if I found out that this was made by, like, three college dudes on a $25,000 budget, I'd be like, oh, wow, good job. Yeah, I've seen a few of those, and this is, I mean, this is much, like, on that level. Like, that's exactly what I would be very impressed if, yes, this were done by young people on their allowance, you know, but this was something that you were supposed to spend money on in rent, and that's ridiculous. Thank you again, Justin Stewart. Thanks for popping a quarter into the arcade with me. And until next time, game over. could express how grateful we are for what you and your squad were able to accomplish given the circumstances. Today, we are truly in the company of heroes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. 
We hope you've enjoyed the show. Well, that was a very definition of priceless. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. I bring some friends. It's all hands on deck. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Resident Evil, The Wizard, Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Tomb Raider, Rampage, and more. Wanna play, huh? Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. It will make the world listen. Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. We need assets to negotiate our future. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Got anything, Burroughs? Nothing but static, sir. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I need some help over here. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks. Find the details on our website. Now you make a decision right now, and you stick to it. You're the only man I trust to get the job done. Make sure they do the right thing. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. You said you have a message for me. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Can you do with a smiling face? Yes, sir. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. When are you going to be finished with it? When I'm dead, I guess. Associate produced by Jason Latham. You telling me this young fellow's in charge of this operation here? I mean, I've got underwear older than them. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. Sounds like you boys need another set of hands. You want to throw in on this? Screw it. I've got nothing else to do. Now playing credits read by Brock. He was a hell of a man. So I've heard. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. Unless a bullet never lies. That's true. Why hasn't one found me yet? This podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created or produced the film or game discussed in this podcast. Now Playing is an independent movie review podcast with no affiliation with any company involved in the publishing, creating, or distribution of that film or game. Do you understand that they will do far worse than kill me for even talking with you? We won't let that happen. The film and all music and clips used are the property of the original copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. What you've done is unacceptable. I need to punish you for your betrayal. And I can think of so many inventive ways. 
Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2021. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. When we old Yankee Doodle, as a great man once said, all good things come to an end. <laughs> <laughs>